Would you stand, please, as Bill comes this morning to read God's word for us? Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and which now at his appointed season he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. This is the word of the Lord from Titus, chapter 1, 1 through 4. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, this morning as we begin a new series in the book of Titus in the New Testament, this short letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a young man who he had been discipling, investing in, named Titus. As we begin this morning, I want to just bring you inside the Costanzo home for a moment and give you a little bit of insight into some ways that it, it, it might be like to live with us. And I want to take you to an evening that happened a few weeks ago when my whole family had been out together and we came back kind of late and it was dark outside and we came back and everybody just sort of started making their way to bedtime and as my wife Rebecca and I were laying in our bed our 12 year old Abigail came in and she said mom and dad did you hear that bird hit the window and I said I don't know what you're talking about I didn't hear anything but I went to let the dogs out just a minute ago and I didn't see any birds out there so what do you mean and she said well hold on just a second I'll go take a picture and I'll show you and so Abigail came back and this was the picture she brought of what she had seen on our window this clear outline of a bird who uh, I'm thinking here we see a picture of the worst moment in this bird's life somehow this bird survived because we didn't find a dead bird but uh, the bird clearly had collided with our window sometime while we were gone and the next morning I got up and I took some more pictures so maybe we could see a little more clearly isn't this incredible the detail of the wings and the bird who, who smashed into our window uh, we took this picture and as you always do these days we put it online for everybody to see and one of our friends who's an ornithologist reached out and said well let me tell you I can I can tell from the outline that that's a dove and there are two things that doves are very well known for one is playing in the mud and two is flying into windows and clearly this dove had done both of those things it had bathed in mud had flown into our window splattered mud everywhere and I wanted to caption this photo so you think you've been having a bad day the worst moment in this bird's life um, forever captured on our window we we didn't clean this for like a month because we were just amazed at seeing what what had happened but but as I looked closer at the picture, this may be hard for you to see, but I zoomed in even further. You can see the bird's face. And, and the bird's eyes are open. And, and, and you can see the, the beak and the face. 
And if you look really closely, you can see regret in the eye of that bird. I mean, it is just a full-on, just splattered on our window, uh, the worst day of the bird's life. What, what in the world does all this have to do with the book of Titus? I have no idea. I'm waiting to show you this picture. Uh, no, actually, you know, this, this little letter to Titus, which is in many ways very similar to Paul's letters to Timothy, you get the impression as you begin reading the first verses that some, some mistakes have been made, some disastrous mistakes have been made. And in particular in Titus, it's, it's in, in a place called Crete, which is the largest of the Greek isles, where Paul has left Titus behind. And Paul's begun receiving reports that there is evidence that some disastrous mistakes have been made and there are some messes that need to be cleaned up. And Titus is the one who's been appointed by Paul to use terms we would understand, he's kind of like an interim pastor who's been left behind on the island of Crete to help clean up all the messes that have been left and to give some direction for going forward. And in the process, Paul's going to tell him, Titus, you can't do this by yourself. I want you to appoint some other leaders who will be like elders and overseers who are going to come alongside you and help clean up all the messes that have been made and correct the mistakes that, that especially some of the leaders and those who have been calling themselves teachers have made so that these churches will survive and they'll be able to move forward in a healthy way. The book of Titus is, is one of what we call the pastoral epistles. We call First and Second Timothy and Titus the pastorals because they're unique in that most of Paul's letters were written to churches. So think about Paul saying, I write this to the church at Ephesus, or I write this to the church at Corinth. But in Titus, and in 1st, 2nd Timothy, Paul writes and says, I'm writing this to the pastor. This is to Titus, my son in the faith. Timothy, I'm writing to you as my son in the faith, as the pastor who's in these churches at this time. And, and then from the, the pastor receiving the letter, then the rest of the church, or in the case of Crete, the churches would hear what Paul had written through the Holy Spirit to Titus that then he could share with them and, and begin to strengthen and clean up some of the messes in the church once again. As we go through Titus in the next few weeks, I'll continue introducing this letter to us, and I'll continue introducing Titus to us as we, we go in the next few weeks. But this morning, I want us just to focus in on the first words, the very rich words with which Paul begins this letter. And we see Paul here later in his ministry and mission. This is not far away from the time when Paul is going to be arrested for the final time, and ultimately in Rome he's going to lose his life because of his faith in Christ. And in these later years of his ministry and mission, Paul often describes himself with these words that we see in verse 1. I am a servant of God, Paul writes, and I am an apostle, not because the church in Jerusalem says so, not because I have an excellent resume, not because of all of my credentials or my accomplishments, but I call myself an apostle because the Lord Jesus Christ called me into this role. He's the one who set me apart. He's the one who, who commissioned me to this role that I've been fulfilling these last many years. I'm an apostle not for myself. 
I'm an apostle not even for the churches, but because of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, as a part of this commission and this role in which I live and play, my, my, my responsibility is to further your faith. As an apostle of Jesus Christ, I've been charged and commissioned to further the faith of God's elect, of God's holy, chosen, set-apart people. My commission and my call is not for me, it's not for my name, it's not for my glory, but it's for you to strengthen you, to build you up in the faith and in the knowledge of truth that leads to godliness. So here's something consistent we're going to see throughout Titus, and you see this in First and Second Timothy as well. This is a, a consistent part of the pastorals. Paul says to them, I've tried to make this true in my life, and it must be true in yours. Your message and your life better match. So I'm not just here to further your knowledge or to build up your faith, but I want you to see how all of this leads to living a godly life that you would stand firm in godliness and that your life and your message would match one another. Paul lived this out in so many ways as an apostle and in so many ways as a godly man, not only in his personal life, but in the investment that he made in others. What does it look like to further the faith of God's people, to strengthen their knowledge, to build them up so that they might be more faithful in godliness? Well, just look at the investment that Paul made in Timothy and Titus. He calls both of these young men who had become disciples, who had become young pastors, he calls them sons. He says, we have become so close in our common faith that you're like a son to me. And I've been imparting, investing in you my very best so that you might follow Christ closely just as I've tried to model for you. If you were to go online and and go to a website like Bible Gateway and just type in the name Titus, you're going to see that Titus's name comes up over and over again in Paul's letters. It's not just here in this book, but you see Titus mentioned in Galatians. Early on in his faith, Paul stood by Titus when he had to make a very hard decision. There in, in Galatia, there was a group called the Judaizers. They were putting pressure on everyone who came to Christ it's not just enough that you believe in Jesus, but you need to learn to be a good Jew also. You need to follow the law of Moses. Basically, you need to convert to Judaism first and then give your life to Christ. Paul was among many who said to people like Titus, no, that's not the gospel you received. The gospel you received is not about religion and it's not about law. It is all about Christ at the center and we might be able to understand that Titus, who was a Gentile believer, when he started hearing that these Judaizers in Galatia wanted to circumcise all the adult men, Titus was not compelled to do it. That's what Paul said. We can understand that. And so Paul stood with Titus, and we see his, his fortitude early on as a new believer saying, no, I didn't believe in the law. I didn't turn to Christ for religion or to please people. But it's all about jesus and so early on paul is investing in titus he's standing with him again if you search his name he's going to come up over and over again you're going to see titus all through the books of first and second corinthians wherever paul is it's like he's giving titus more responsibility more opportunities titus is, is taking the collection from corinth 
and helping make sure it gets distributed to the other churches that have need. Titus is taking Paul's letters and delivering them back and forth to the people in the churches. We also see Titus come up as a part of Paul's ministry in Ephesus. And then we see him here on the island of Crete as an interim pastor leading in multiple cities. Then even at the end of this letter, we'll see that Paul sends Titus on to Nicopolis and to Dalmatia, back around Greece again. Paul is constantly investing in Titus. He's modeling for him what this looks like to further the faith of God's people, to build them up in their knowledge of the truth, and to model for them godliness. And Paul says to Titus right here in the beginning of the letter, with all the things that I've taught you, with all that I've invested in you, remember the hope that we have because of Jesus Christ in, of eternal life. In the hope of eternal life that God who never lies promised to us even before the beginning of time. Can I give you another little insight into my life? This has been a tough week. This has been a week that on multiple occasions I've said out loud, I hate this world. There is so much evil. There are so many dark and discouraging things. There are so many times that life just throws hard and difficult things at us. This has been one of those weeks for me. And I've come back to this verse so many times in preparing for this Sunday to remember the hope that I have of eternal life in Jesus Christ. That this is not all there is. That God is good. That I can trust him. And that God doesn't lie to us. His promises are true. And where he's promised us, just as we've heard in music this morning, several reminders where he's promised us he will come through for us, he will. This word hope means a confident expectation. That yes, we hate this world, that yes, sometimes life is hard and it's messy. But we have a confident hope, expectation of eternal life that God has promised us from the beginning of time as his people. It will come true. This is not all that there is. And this language that Paul's using here, it's very reminiscent of what we read oftentimes in the Hebrew scriptures. Where we hear time and again that God is the God of all truth. He does not lie. Similar to what the book of Numbers says, God does not lie because he's not like us. He's not a human. He's not a human being that he should lie, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? God is good. We can trust him. And we can live with the confident expectation the hope of eternal life because God promised that to us as his people even before the beginning of time. Which leads to a very important question that I'll ask you now, but I'm going to ask you again at the end of the message. Because at the end of this service today, you're going to have an opportunity if you have never given your whole heart, your whole life to Jesus Christ, you're going to have an opportunity in this service before you leave to take a step today, to step out to come to Jesus Christ and to say to him, here it is, here is all of me, here's my entire life. The question I'll ask you now and I'll ask you again at the end, do you know that hope of eternal life? Which God, who does not lie, promised to us before the beginning of time. Paul says, 
even when things are messy. I've been in and out of prison, Titus. This has not been an easy time in our lives, but my confident expectation, my hope is in the promise of God. I love what he then says in verse 3. He says, and, and also in this season of life, I know that this is where God has me, and he has me here for a reason. He has appointed me in this season of life through my preaching, through my teaching, my ministry, my lifestyle, to make the gospel visible. I love that. To bring to light this truth of Jesus Christ, the hope of eternal life, his promises that he's made to each of us. He's, he's called me in this season of my life to be right here, right now, making the gospel visible. Just as Titus, he's appointed you in this season of your life to be where you are in Crete and to deal with these difficult circumstances you're facing. Another question I would ask you this morning, do you know right now in this season of your life who Christ has called you to be? Do you know for sure in this very season who Christ has called you to be, what that's supposed to look like, how you're supposed to live that out? And if you do know in this season who he's called you to be, are you all in? Does he have all of your life, or are you constantly distracted? Are you being pulled backwards by things in the past? Are you being pulled to the left and right? Are you being like so many in our culture who can't focus for half a second, but are always distracted, always reacting, almost always seem to be angry about something? Do you know who Christ has called you to be in this season? And if you do, are you going all in with him? And if you don't, then are you seeking him? Are you asking him if you feel a, a little bit of a lack of direction right now in this season, you're not exactly sure who you're supposed to be? Is that your top priority? To seek it out and to say to the Lord, who am I supposed to be? Who do you want me to be right here and now in this time and place where I am? Paul says, I know in this season of my life, this appointed season has been for me to make the gospel visible, to bring to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior that hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And then, again, the pastorals, writing specifically to Pastor Titus, he says, To Titus, my true son, just like Timothy, in our common faith, and, and we're used to seeing this now in Paul's letters, his very customary greeting, grace and peace to you from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is how the book of Titus begins. That was part one of the message today. Now we're going to just look a couple of verses ahead in chapter one. And part two of the message, we're going to just dip our toes a little bit further into the book of Titus. And, and I've titled this series, Poured Out, because we're going to see near the end of Titus, the language that Paul uses, he says, Christ Jesus has poured out his spirit on us so that we now know as we walk forward with him what the spirit-filled life is supposed to look like and how the spirit-filled life distinguishes us as Christ's people from the rest of the world and all of those things in the world that we hate that are evil and dark and confusing and conflicting through the spirit-filled life our message and our lifestyle match each other and we are set apart we are different 
So as Paul's already addressed Titus, I love what he does in verse 5. Paul, again, has already talked about this season of his life. I know where I am. I know who I'm supposed to be. But I almost hear in this language, maybe Titus is wondering a little bit, why in the world, God, do you have me here right now? This place is a mess. Paul's already said, things in Crete are a mess. People are teaching false things. All kinds of problems have developed. Maybe Titus was asking God, why in the world am I here? And Paul reminds him, here's the reason, Titus, that I left you in Crete. I wanted you to finish the work that we started together. I, I, I can't be there in person, but I've left you there that you might put in order what was left unfinished and in the meantime appoint elders in every town as I directed you. You might wonder, well, why? If this was so important, why didn't Paul just come back to Crete and do this work himself? Well, he actually had a good excuse. He was in prison, okay? So he couldn't. This now fell to Titus, who Paul had been investing in and developing. He had this very intentional discipleship strategy with Timothy, with Titus. And now it was time for Titus to step off the sidelines and step in the game because Paul couldn't be there. But he says, Titus... I've left you there to finish the work we started, but I don't want you to do this by yourself. I want you to appoint some other faithful, trustworthy leaders in every town where churches are planted who will come alongside you. And, and here are the leaders that Titus was looking for. He was looking for faithful indigenous leaders. What does that mean? It means people who were from Crete, people who spoke the language, who knew the culture, People whose grandparents and parents had been raised there. People who were going to plant their lives in Crete forever. And long after Titus was gone, they would still be there and so would their descendants. This is really good church planting and mission strategy, by the way. To develop strong, faithful, indigenous leaders who will own the work and the ministry in the place long after we're not there anymore. That's what Paul says, I want you to appoint indigenous leaders who will learn just as I've taught you that their message and their lifestyle are supposed to match. And what Paul's also talking about here, yes, this is specifically about appointing elders, overseers in the church, but it's also just about faithful Christian service. And what I want to do with the, the few minutes we have remaining is just sort of unpack for us what, what I see here as some some clear markers of what faithful Christian service is supposed to look like. As Paul describes for Titus how he's supposed to choose elders, overseers to serve alongside him. And here's the first part, moving into verse 6. That faithful Christian service begins in our homes. Paul writes, an elder must be blameless, which just means above reproach, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. I love the way one scholar said it. Titus is in charge of putting others in charge. And as he's putting others in charge, Paul says, here are the characteristics, the qualities that I want you to look for. And, and notice that Paul says here that, that eldership, being an overseer, being a, a Christian leader in the church in any role begins not with their role in the church, but rather their role in their homes. Notice what Paul didn't say. He didn't say, if you're an elder, if you're an overseer, I want you to just give yourself completely to the church 
and tell your family they just have to deal with it it's not what he said he didn't say i want you to sit your family down your wife your spouse your children i don't want you to he didn't say i want you to sit them down and and tell them look the church is really important and god's called me to this really important work and so i'll see you when i see you i just need you guys to understand that what i'm doing really matters and so i'm going to give my best to the church and whatever is left over that's what i'll have for you that's not where paul starts paul says first and foremost faithful leaders in the church those who are going to be faithful in christian service are going to give their best to their family they're going to give their best to their spouse they're going to give their best to their children or if they don't have a spouse they don't have children like paul said timothy's like a son to me titus is like a son to me whoever is directly in their care and their charge and their responsibility they're to give them their best and then you'll know that they can be faithful as managers elders overseers in the church paul says i don't want them to be giving their leftovers to their family i want their family to get their best i don't want them to be focused so much on the church that they neglect their home i want them to do their best in their home and out of the overflow of that see the impact that makes on their church and in their community are not our homes the most important training ground we have for righteousness are not our homes the place where we have the most important responsibility to either make someone or break someone when it comes to their faithful service to the lord and their healthy relationships with other people paul knew that the lord jesus knew that and as the holy spirit spoke to him he said titus i want leaders who put their family first you know today as i mentioned already there's a lot around us that is discouraging there's a lot of darkness and evil and it might make us feel not just discouraged but disgusted and even overwhelmed and rightly so but rather than focusing so much of our energy on trying to fix the problems we can't fix and fix people we don't even know what if we put our best energy through the power of the holy spirit into making our homes the place where we give our best for the lord as a training ground for righteousness what might just south tulsa look like our church but also our community if every single one of us who are followers of christ were giving our best to our family investing our best energy in that kind of strategic intentional discipleship that paul modeled with timothy and titus with our own children our own grandchildren with our spouse with those who god has placed under our care as opposed to always giving our best at work or giving our best to others and coming home and giving our family whatever's left over if our homes looked that way our church would be transformed our community would be transformed and that's the strategy that paul gives to titus in appointing leaders faithful christian service begins in our homes giving our best to those that we invest in so that they'll do the same for those who come behind them but as we follow christ closely in our homes to do this we must also remember that faithful christian service requires turning away from the sins of pride and self and living a christ-like lifestyle look what paul says in the next two verses he goes further since an overseer manages god's household 
he must be blameless again above reproach not overbearing not quick-tempered not given to drunkenness not violent not pursuing dishonest gain but rather he must be hospitable one who loves what is good who is self-controlled upright holy and disciplined you know this really is a significant theme not just of titus first and second timothy but of most of the new testament that if we are going to truly follow christ faithfully we cannot do it through pride we cannot do it through constantly focusing on self paul says and and i serve here in this that there's some specific folks he probably has in mind in crete who have been put either in positions of leadership or they're claiming to be teachers or maybe they're just simply saying you can trust me follow me give me your attention listen to me and i'll tell you what to do and yet the word has come to paul and titus certainly knows that these people setting themselves in these positions are full of pride and they're all about self listen to the way he describes them they shouldn't be overbearing and by the way peter uses this same word but it's probably better translated when peter uses it as arrogant they're just arrogant they're overbearing it's all about them they have this self-centered domineering sense of self-importance and superiority or even entitlement over others there are also others who out of their pride they're hot-headed they're quick-tempered some are even struggling with substance abuse like drunkenness some are prone to acts of violence that word literally means they strike people in their anger in their pride they're 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 acting that out in physical ways he says they also shouldn't be those who take advantage of others they're dishonest in their dealings with others for personal gain paul begins here after starting with the home by talking about personal conduct and what he's saying ultimately is if you see these things on the outside if this is the fruit that you're seeing in the people who call themselves leaders are setting themselves up as teachers and saying trust me if that's what you see on the outside you can guarantee that the tree is rotten on the inside if that's the fruit in other words paul says what what you're seeing in their personal conduct simply represents the true character of their heart and life so rather than appointing leaders who brag about themselves who tell you how great they are but their life doesn't match their message who are overbearing blowhards go out and get drunk with their buddies sometimes turn to violence and are going to take advantage of you the first moment they get instead of looking to that kind of leadership go find those leaders who do what verse 8 says on the positive side who are hospitable first of all i love there's this uh, translation of the new testament called the first nations version it's a translation that was actually put together by native american christians about 50 of them got together and they said as we have translated the new testament in into language that native american tribes can read and understand i love their translation of this word hospitable they said choose those who are willing to open their homes to others that's what it means to be hospitable to be welcoming titus go find some men some people who are going to serve in christian leadership who don't have a closed posture towards everyone who disagrees with them who aren't constantly looking at everyone in their life as an inconvenience or as, as pawns to be used in their game 
for their own personal gain. Find people who are open, who are loving, hospitable, welcoming, who are lovers of good, who in their personal conduct are upright, who demonstrate self-control, and in their inner spiritual life are godly. And you hear similar language here to the fruit of the Spirit, who also are disciplined. That's who I want you to find. Not the people who make the most noise, not the people constantly calling attention to themselves, but the people who you can tell through their personal conduct that their inner spiritual life is solid, and they are walking faithfully with the Lord. Those are the leaders you want serving alongside you in Christian leadership. Faithful Christian service requires turning away from pride and self and living a Christ-like lifestyle. I love the quote from St. Francis that Rebecca Johnston put in the channel today. Preach always, and if necessary, use words. Let your lifestyle match your message. But finally, there are some times where Paul says to Titus, we do have to use words. Faithful Christian service requires turning away from pride and self and living a Christ-like lifestyle, but also faithful Christian service demands faithfulness to the gospel message and the word of God. Titus learned this from the beginning in Galatia, didn't he? Don't be pulled aside by those who have hidden agendas and other intentions and tell you that anything else is more important than the gospel message you believed and then growing deeper in God's word as you walk faithfully with him. But instead, look for Christian leaders whose lives and their message communicates clearly that they are holding firm to orthodox doctrine and teaching that that god's word is the number one guiding principle in their life they look to god first and in their message they proclaim no other salvation no other way to have that confident expectation and hope in eternal life no other way to be right with god than in jesus christ and in christ alone those are the leaders you need to look for they hold firmly to this trustworthy message and they encourage others in it by teaching sound doctrine and then when needed when there are those who oppose the word of god they stand with it and they stand on it and they provide that correction lovingly even refutation when it's needed because their message and their lifestyle match one another as we've said one of the main reasons paul emphasizes this is because unfortunately in crete there were far too many examples of those whose lives and message didn't match. They weren't being faithful to the gospel they'd heard. They weren't teaching scripture. And they weren't living faithfully with the fruit that represents the life of holiness, that godliness that lives inside spiritually. In the same way we might say here in 2021, with all the darkness that's around us right now, that, that there is messiness inside and outside the church sometimes even in our homes we certainly realize that there have been many who have led others astray and if we're honest there have been times where we have failed miserably to make our message and our lifestyle match but i ask you again how differently would things look even just around us if in our homes and in our church and in our daily lives in this season we 
were known as being welcoming, lovers of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. If we become known as those who hold firmly to the trustworthy message of the gospel and encourage others in it by sound doctrine, by lovingly refuting those who oppose the word of God, and by being people who follow Jesus so closely that in every possible way, though we will fail at times, to the very best of our ability, through the leadership of the Holy Spirit, our lives and our message match. That's what it means to live faithfully for Christ. That's what faithful Christian service looks like. And it's not just the call on the life of pastors like Titus, but it's for each of us. That we would be those people who have given our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ in service to his kingdom, and that that faithfulness that we see described here would also describe us in our homes, in our church, in our community. I also said that before we finish today, I would come back to that question. And I want you to hear this question coming from my heart as pastor of this church, but also coming from the Holy Spirit in the scripture we just read. Do you know, do you have that confident expectation, the hope of eternal life in Christ Jesus? And if you do have that, if you know it, then are you being faithful with it in message and in lifestyle to share it, to take it with you, to carry it to those who don't know, who need the gospel to become visible in their lives, who need to see Jesus in you and in me? But if you don't know that confident hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ, as we bow our heads and as we close our eyes and we prepare for our time that we call our inv invitation, our time of response, if you don't have the hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ, this opportunity that we're going to have in these next few minutes, our final minutes together in corporate worship as we sing one more song, this is an opportunity for you to step out and to come to Jesus Christ.